All right, everyone, welcome to the Cover 3 Fantasy Podcast, the early morning edition. Get your coffee and let's talk football. The day after the draft, we made it through without any technical errors or anything too crazy happening. Um, The boo machine was not as successful as expected. Um, There were multiple times I looked behind Roger Goodell last night and there were blank spaces where teams couldn't get enough, you know, 12 fans to show up on the screen, but... It was a valiant effort, nonetheless. Um, Looking at you, Chargers. <laughs> yeah, Chargers. Yeah. I think the Broncos had a couple open spaces. Um, it, yeah. yeah, there were a few times. It was it was rough. Um, you know, but who wants to go to Roger Goodell's basement? That's the big question for that. <laughs> um, before we get started talking about the draft, let's talk about some news from this week. Uh, the wild man, Gronk himself, came out of retirement said he would only play with TB12 in Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, big news. Shocked everyone how quick it happened. Um, it was almost it broke that he wanted to come out of retirement, but almost only to go to Tampa Bay. Um, and then, you know, a few minutes later, it was, well, this may happen in the next 24 hours. And then a few minutes later, it's done. Um, Jason, what's your initial take on Gronk coming out of retirement and the Patriots trading him to get a fourth-round pick? I would have to say it was a pretty shocking that he came out of retirement, but obviously he was going to stick with people he knew. And Tom Brady's the one man he knew probably better than anyone, what Tom likes to do. Uh, he becomes a really good security blanket for Tom Brady. And so I, it's a great, it's a great move by Gronk. Um, if there's one place to go, that was the place to go. And hopefully he can put that weight back on the NFL football weight and he'll be ready to roll. Yeah, and uh, it was it was definitely interesting, surprising to me as well. Uh, one of the reasons is that he hasn't played in 16 games since 2011. So you give up a fourth round pick for a guy that has been out of the NFL for as long as he has now, hasn't played uh, a full season in what nine years. Is uh, it's interesting, but I totally get why they did it. Obviously, Brady and Gronk have a fantastic relationship, incredible chemistry. He always knows where to be. He's always that that security blanket, to your point, Jason. Um, what's interesting to me is going to be to see how it impacts O.J. Howard and Cameron Bright. I know I was a little bit higher on O.J. Howard coming into this year with Tom Brady coming in, coming in and um, you know obviously liking to throw to good tight ends. So um, I did see that the, the GM was talking about how it's it's always helpful to have multiple good players at the same position and he wants OJ Howard there for the long haul, but I don't see how you can keep all three of those guys on the same team. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see where they end up. Yeah. I think Cameron Bright is a serviceable second tight end. Um, And I think what this does is it makes OJ Howard expendable. Um, They already wanted to move him, but now it's, you know, I guess they've got a little more room to move him. They don't have to be as picky with what they get because they've got Gronk at tight end. Um, and that's, you know, given he passes his physical. There's still a big if there, like you mentioned. He's been off for a year. Um, when you see him, he's fit, but he's obviously lost a lot of weight from his playing weight. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what he does there, if he stays at the current weight or if he's going to try to put weight back on. Um, I'm, 
I'm a little concerned because Gronk always had injuries anyways. He It seemed like he missed time every year, even when he was with the Patriots. Yeah. Um, so hypothetically, he comes back. You know, he's been off for a year. Like we said, I mentioned lost weight. Uh, you know, how, how long does he make it or how many snaps does he take before he starts dealing with an injury? Um, you know, yeah. I, I think on the flip side, too, the Patriots get a small win that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, they take a guy who was doing nothing for them and they flip it into a fourth round pick. So um, essentially pull a fourth round pick out of nowhere, magic, pull it out of a hat. Um, yeah. I think they've got a small win with that one to take nothing and turn it into a fourth round pick. For fantasy purposes, I'm not buying Gronk just to throw that out there. Uh, and Toby, for the exact reasons that you mentioned, the injury history, He's had three major back injuries in his career. He's had multiple concussions, a torn ACL and MCL. I just don't trust him to stay on the field. Uh, I'm not targeting him as anything more than a tight end two and maybe hoping that he can give me a few solid weeks. Yeah, I think everyone was initially excited that Gronk was back, Tom Brady was back. There was a lot of excitement. And I think from a practical standpoint on the football field, he can help them win games. That's not a question. But for fantasy purposes – I just don't know how much production he's going to give you. A wide range of outcomes there with him. Um, so tread lightly when picking Gronk. Um, other news, just real quick. Marquise Lee, uh, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. Does he have any fantasy relevance or value for either one of you? I would say it would be in a very deep league. You would have to have probably a 12-team league with a really deep bench. But other than that, I mean, he's probably their three or wide receiver four. And what they have going on there, they're kind of in a rebuild mode. I really don't see him having too much value, given they have Keneal Harry and um, Muhammad Sanu, Edelman. There's still, they're still guys in front of him. So for me, I, it would have to be a pretty deep league. Yeah, I agree. Um Brady was able to make some guys fantasy relevant, but even the last couple of years outside of Edelman, they've struggled to have a second fantasy relevant receiver. And now with Stidham or whoever they might end up drafting, I don't see um, Marquise Lee stepping in and and having a significant role. Um, I mean, he's proven that he can do it. He's done it before in Jacksonville, but he has not proven that he can stay on the field for a full season, just like we just talked about with Frank. Um, You know, he's put up some serviceable numbers for a few weeks in 2016 and 2017, but since then he's been injured and um, you know, I'm just, I'm not excited about him. I'm not targeting him for sure. Yeah. For me, he's one of those waiver wire watch guys. I mean, like you said, Brian, he had some decent games in uh, Jacksonville and that was with Blake Bortles at the helm. Um, so I don't think Stidham or Hoyer could be much worse than Blake Bortles. <laughs> that bad. Yeah. Um, but so I think, you know, he's one of those guys that you'll want to watch, put him on your watch list, you know, no, but he's not going to be drafted in your league unless, as Jason said, you have a really deep league. Um, but I think he's one to put on the watch list. If after week one or two, he's got a significant role and seems to be staying healthy, playing well, you know, if you're in need of a receiver, he can be a guy on your bench. Um, so we're going to jump right in real quick. Talk about the draft last night. Um, thankfully, we finally got some sports in. Everyone was excited about that. Um, 
first round of the NFL draft went went smoothly. There were some concerns with technical difficulties, possibly, but um, everything seemed to go well. Not as many trades as we would normally see, especially at the beginning with all of the um, talk within the top ten of people trying to move up and down. Um, didn't see anything happen for a while. Towards the end, there were a few trades, um, a few that were shockers. Um, but before we talk about any of that, we're going to talk about some of the shocking picks in the first round. Um, so for me, I'm just going to jump right in. Jordan Love, um, that was a big surprise for most people. Um, I don't think it was a surprise that a team traded it up to get him in the first round. I think it was a surprise that it was the Green Bay Packers. I think most yeah. people, when you look at any of the mock drafts um, and team need, I think most people had them taking a, a wide receiver um, maybe a defensive player if a stud fell that far, but um, by no means did anyone have them taking a backup quarterback in the first round. Uh, I think it's shocking because yeah, I don't think it hurts Aaron Rodgers at all. Maybe it hurts his feelings a little bit, uh, but I, I think not getting him an offensive weapon is the biggest problem here. Yeah, no question. And like you said, it was shocking to see them trade up. Um, you, you kind of expected that somebody might trade up into the back of the first round to take Jordan Love to get that extra year on the contract, the rookie deal. But it, it really surprised me that it was a team that was already in the first round trading up even higher to get him, and more specifically that it was the Packers. And they traded up from 30 to 26, gave up a fourth-round pick to do it. They jumped Seattle. They jumped Baltimore. I mean, they're, they're jumping teams that obviously aren't picking a quarterback. So unless maybe they thought that Indy was going to try to get in in front of them and take love, the move just didn't make a lot of sense. And you know, to your point, it also didn't help Aaron Rodgers at all. His, uh, his, his biggest need, his biggest ask was, get me a weapon, get me another receiver. And Jordan Love is the first offensive skill position they've selected in the first round since Aaron Rodgers. So... I'm not really sure what they're doing there, why they're, they're wasting his prime and not getting him a weapon. But speaking of big shockers in the draft, mine personally was Damon Arnett to the Raiders. Uh, I like Damon Arnett. Obviously, I'm a Buckeyes fan. But it was very surprising to see him go 19 overall with some of the other CBs that were still on the board. It was a position of need for them, obviously. But I, don't, I didn't see anybody that had Damon Arnett mocked in the first round. He was good at Ohio State, but he wasn't outstanding. And it's hard to, to stand out when you're on the other side of Jeffrey Okuda. And you get targeted quite a bit. And so his numbers weren't all that great. But I, I mean, I guess to that, to that point, he had a lot of opportunity to work on his craft with quarterbacks targeting him all the time. But you know, he had some issues with his technique. There's a lot of people that are way smarter than me that say that he's not able to open his hips and run with guys as well as you'd like to see at that position. And he was consistently mocked in the second or third round behind guys like Jeff Gladney, Jalen Johnson, Trayvon Diggs that are all still on the board. And you know, for me, it was just another head-scratching move by the Raiders after the, he reached for Cleveland Farrell at the top of the draft last year. Uh, they took uh, Henry Ruggs over guys like Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, who were both more polished and ready to produce. So it was just a, an overall kind of baffling night for the Raiders for me. Yeah, I think it was a – a shocker to the Raiders. They obviously they have a plan. They only know what that plan is because most people don't understand their plan. And uh, <laughs> apparently, their plan is let's get a fast receiver and let's get a nickelback in this draft in the first round. And that's pretty much what they've done. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of what they've done. I would have probably went Judy or Lamb, like you said, Brian, over Rugs. But they they love they fell in love with the speed. So what can you say? Maybe they have a plan for that. <laughs> they channeled but, their inner Al Davis. Yeah, I I mean, one of my shockers was was Jordan Brooks. The guy's a tackling machine. Uh, Texas Tech. He racked up tackles continually game after game but he did battle injuries this past year uh, he also he's he wasn't projected as a first rounder I didn't actually see a mock that had him in the first round I seen him more of a mid to late second maybe a top tier third round pick and so for him to jump all the way up into the first round I, I'm almost wondering if Seattle seen him kind of like a Wagner so to me that was one of the shockers of the draft for me yeah, Jordan Brooks was definitely a shocker. Um, Seattle keeping their first-round pick was a shocker. Um, as you said, Jordan Brooks was projected in the second to third round. But these guys, inevitably every year, there's guys that rise the board and there's guys that fall. Um, you know, and Damon Arnett and Jordan Brooks happen to be beneficiaries of that. We'll see who um, continues their fall throughout the day today. Hopefully not into tomorrow, any of these top talent guys. But um, we'll see how day two goes. Um, jumping in for fantasy purposes, though, which is why you're here. We're going to talk about a couple of winners and losers here. Um, for me, my winner last night uh, was Jalen Rager, wide receiver, went to Philadelphia. I think, you know, he was projected second round as well. Um, a speedster, great talent. Some questions about his catching ability. Had, had a few drops, <clears throat> um, but I did see a stat that he – something along the lines of he – had the least amount of catchable balls in division one, which is, you know, to put up the numbers that he did play as well as he did with that in mind, it's a pretty big feat. And I think, you know, depending on what team he would have went to in the second round, he could have easily been the third option could have been stuck on the, on a bench somewhere deep down a depth chart, but here in Philly, um, you know, they've got Alshon Jeffries, they've got Deshaun Jackson, Big question is, can Deshaun Jackson stay healthy? Even if so, I think there's still plenty of room for Jalen Rager to fit in there. They wanted to get another weapon on offense, another receiver. Um, I think he's going to have plenty of fantasy value. Um, I think he was a big winner last night going into Philadelphia. Yeah, I think you're right. And he's competing with the tight ends, basically, for targets at this point. I mean, like we've been talking about a lot of this segment already, with injuries, uh, Alshon is another one of those guys that, you know, if he can stay on the field, he's fantastic, but he's been struggling to stay on the field over the past couple of years. And so that obviously opens up a lot more opportunities for Jalen Rager. And like you said, Deshaun Jackson is the same way. So, you know, he might not be the number one option. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are there getting targets as well, but uh, he definitely has some fantasy value and that's only going to improve if uh, Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson are missing time. But for me, my big winner of the night was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, he, for me, he immediately becomes the pick 101 in rookie drafts and a top 10 fantasy running back. Most people had him as the number four running back or lower. So it was obviously surprising to see him as the only running back in the first round. But he's a perfect fit for what Kansas City wants to do. He's fast. He's quick. He's agile. He's a great pass catcher. He's really going to fit into that offense very nicely. And on the flip side, obviously, that really hurts Damian Williams. But um, I, I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire steps in there 
he takes he takes over that workload immediately. My winners and losers uh, for the draft would be Brandon Ayuk. He comes into a perfect situation going into a West Coast offense. Uh, Shanahan will use him in a great way, getting him open. And his length of reach, he's got an 81-inch wingspan, which is insane for a guy who's only 5'11", and I believe it's 5'8". And so he's set up perfectly to to really take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and become that wide receiver one or even a 1B with Debo Samuel in that offense. Obviously, Kittle's going to be the number one target, but as far as wide receiver is concerned, he could really get a good fair share of work. And so for him, that, that was my definite winner. And then my obvious loser, and I think this can go to anyone out there, you pity C.D. Lamb. Poor guy. Goes into a position where he, he could be wide receiver three when he was projected to be a wide receiver one on a team. And feel for the guy. I mean, he's, he has so much talent. Maybe he maybe turns into the two and he's starting over Gallup, who knows. But his share, his share of work is going to go down with the weapons they have around him there in Dallas. I mean, it's going to help Dak, but I think it really, really hinders the value of CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, so I think CeeDee Lamb is a big loser from last night. Strictly fantasy purpose. Um, in, the, in the real life aspect, I think he's a winner. Um, you know, to come in and, and be able to be eased in, be the th- second or third option on that Dallas offense. Um, when you've got guys like Zeke, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup ahead of you, um, that's a pretty potent offense. I think Dak is a huge beneficiary and fantasy value for that. Um, I for think sure. that you know, definitely top five, um, having that amount of weapons to work with. Um, but C.D. Lamb, you know, you're looking at he was potentially going to, you know, the New York Jets, the Las Vegas Raiders. One of those teams, he was going to get all the volume he could handle. Um, be yeah. the primary receiver for them and now go to be the second or third option behind guys that are getting tons of volume. And, you know, if, if there was a different situation, you may say one of those guys is going to get moved. But Amari Cooper just signed a huge extension. Michael Gallup played fantastic at the end of last year. I don't think they're moving on from either one of them. Uh, I think it was a defensive move to stop Philadelphia from getting him so they didn't have to play him two, three times a year. But um, definitely one of the bigger losers from last night. Um, for me, the biggest loser, uh, some would agree, some would disagree, was Aaron Rodgers. Um, not necessarily that Jordan Love is going to hurt his fantasy value, but I think it hurts his ego a little bit. And um, I think for him, he he needed another weapon. Uh, I, I guess maybe Green Bay thinks Devin Funches is um, capable of being a wide receiver too, or maybe they've got a guy that they really like on day two. Um, but the fact that they didn't get him a weapon to work with um, when their offense clearly struggled in the passing game last year, Aaron Jones was fine, but I mean, Jimmy Graham did nothing uh, other than Devonte Adams. You didn't really have a lot of weapon. I mean, Alan Lazard played solid, but MVS and Geronimo Allison didn't pan out like people expected. They, they really needed to get him a talented pass catcher and they failed to do it. Yeah, and like I said before, they have not drafted an offensive skill position in the first round since they drafted Aaron Rodgers. He needed help on offense, clearly. So they get him a wide receiver who's been a bust so far and a replacement. Like, I, I just – I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. 
he said that he wants to play until he's 40. He's 36 now. They've got a great team in place. Just a year ago, they went 13-3. and They can clearly win now if they get him a little bit more help. And so far, they've failed to do it. I agree. He's a, a big loser from this uh, for fantasy purposes and in, in real life. It's, I'm sure he's fuming somewhere. For me, my biggest loser was Damian Williams. I touched on it briefly when I was talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but you know, obviously you go from being the lead back in a fantastic offense to being, at best, the, the guy that comes in to spell the rookie, and more likely he's going to be on the move again. Uh, you know, last year he proved to be a capable back, but he's never really handled a consistent workload, and fantasy owners were obviously holding out hope that he might get a shot this year to prove he can stay healthy and handle the load. But the problem now is he's already 28 years old. He hasn't really caught on anywhere. And this is looking like it's going to spell the end for Damian Williams as a viable fantasy option. Yeah, I I agree. I think Damian Williams, um, you know, that was obviously tough to see. Um, When you think of the Kansas City offense, it's so potent that no matter who they plug in at running back, people are going to rush out to get them. You're going to anticipate that they're top 15 no matter what. Even if – Damian Williams fell off and they said Darwin Thompson is our starting running back this year. People are rushing yeah. out with him. Um, so you bring in a guy that's as talented and Clyde Ed- as Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, you know, obviously that does hurt the value of Damian Williams. And I think the big thing is it says we took a running back in the first round. Um, their defense lost a few key players. Um, Kendall Fuller being one of them, huge hole True. there. Um, so I anticipated that they would have taken someone on, on the defensive side of the ball because their offense returned 11 of the 12 starters. Um, but the fact that right. they the first round pick on a running back tells me that they don't trust Damian Williams to be their lead guy. Totally agree. And for anybody that's holding on to Damian Williams or Darwin Thompson in dynasty leagues, uh, you, you can keep holding out hope, but I think uh, it's safe to drop both of those guys at this point. Yeah, barring barring an injury, um, neither one of them, I think, is going to provide any fantasy value this season. Um, now, moving on, we're going to get right to it. The, the practical side of things, not just fantasy purposes, but the teams that were the biggest winners last night. Brian, huge Cincinnati fan, as we've talked about, obviously, had the number one overall pick, unbiased opinion. Who was your big winner last night? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to come off as a homer, but I, the, the Cincinnati Bengals was obviously the first team that came to mind for me. And it's not because they made any splash move. It's not because they, uh, you know, packaged a bunch of or you know picked up a bunch of picks. But it's because they did the hard thing and they stood firm to take the guy that they really believed in. So they got their quarterback of the future. And you know, as somebody that has watched them way more than I'd care to over the past couple of years. It's been, it's been painful to watch the way that they've played, the way that they've wasted A.J. Green's prime. Um, you know, they've, they've struggled to, to win games and get things done with Green, with Joe Mixon, with Tyler Boyd now, and John Ross finally starting to prove some value. And so it's been painfully obvious that they needed an upgrade at quarterback. Andy Dalton is serviceable, but you know exactly what you have there. He's a guy that can get you to the playoffs and keep you mildly competitive in a wild card game before losing. So getting somebody that has that promise that Joe Burrow has shown is a huge, huge win for them. And I know that there were other teams that were putting together crazy packages trying to get up. And there were rumors of 
the Dolphins trying to put together a, quote, godfather package to come up to one and take Burrow. So for Cincinnati to stay put and take their guy that they believed in, I, I think that's, that's a big win. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge win for them. Um, to your point, as, as you said, um, being an Indiana fan, um, I'm used to that kind of mediocrity. Uh, where, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with first-round exits from the playoffs um, in football and basketball. So um, no team is happy with that. So anytime that you can upgrade and get your franchise quarterback, and as you said, they had teams beating down their door to try to get that first pick and take Joe Burrow. Um, so they did what they should have done. I agree. Joe Burrow, big winner Cincinnati. Um, and then first on the clock today, and there, as, as we see, there's still plenty of weapons available on both sides of the ball guys that have fallen that that can really help them out as well. Um, for me, the big winners were the Vikings, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they had traded away Stefan Diggs, obviously. Um, they've got two first-round picks this year, and they turned that into Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney. Um, I'm a little higher on Jeff Gladney than most, but um, I don't think there was any question that he was a first-round talent for being a cornerback. Um, most mocks had him in the late first round, early second. Um, but Justin Jefferson, a lot of people had him going to the Philadelphia Eagles, and instead they took Jalen Rager, um, which left the door wide open. And I, I think when we did our mock draft, we actually talked about this. Um, and, Brian, you mentioned that the Vikings would take Justin Jefferson in that situation, and they were running to the podium to throw that selection in. Um, and I think last night that was the case. They were ecstatic that a talent like Justin Jefferson fell to them um, to replace, obviously, a totally different player than Stephon Diggs, but uh, very capable, can come in and produce immediately for them, um, helps out with Adam Thielen because their, their next guy behind him was Olabisi Johnson. Um, you know, so this is a huge upgrade for them. And then on the defensive side, obviously losing Trey Waynes, um, losing Xavier Rhodes, even as bad as he was last year, um, they needed a cornerback and they got that. And they did it by trading down and acquiring two extra picks in the process. So still got great picks, great values for their needs and added a few extra picks. I think they're big winners last night. So wrapping up. Um, real quick, Jason had some technical difficulties, but one player that you want your team to draft on day two, uh, he sent it in the group chat here, that he wants the Miami Dolphins to draft DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. Um, I think it would be a great move for them. Jordan Howard is serviceable at best, but um, doesn't really offer much in the passing game. Obviously isn't a long-term play. doesn't fit the timeline of the other players that they currently have. So I think it's wise for them to take a running back. DeAndre Swift does a little bit of everything. Can't go wrong with that pick. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Kalen Balazs was not the answer. Patrick Laird was not the answer. And to your point, Jordan Howard is serviceable. Uh, he's not a great pass-catching back. He's more of a thumper. And he, his age is also not aligning with everybody else that they're bringing in. So... The pick there makes a lot of sense. For me, with the, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, there are a couple of guys that I would like to see them take, but I, um, I, I'm not sure how to say it. I, I hope they don't because it doesn't line up with their needs. But just from a pure value standpoint, guys like Xavier McKinney, Antoine Winfield Jr., and T. Higgins, they're incredible players, and I'd love to see those guys in the Bengals' stripes. But from a need perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to start the day off with 
Ezra Cleveland or Ross Blacklock. They could use a lot of help on either line. And I think both of those guys would go a long way towards shoring those, those positions of need up. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cincinnati's kind of notorious for taking those offensive linemen. Hopefully they, they hit on one with, with this year's draft. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, being a Colts fan, um, we've got two picks in the second round. Uh, we have our third round pick. Frank Reich is, or Chris Ballard has made it known that he wants to acquire more draft capital. Um, seems like he wants to do that every year. Um, but, you know, with the, with the second pick in the second round, I'm hoping that they go T. Higgins. Um, we do need another receiver to go with T.Y. Hilton. And I'm a huge believer, a huge fan in T. Higgins. Um, as far as the second pick goes, uh, we've got plenty of areas that we could use some help. We could use an edge rusher. Um, we could select our backup quarterback of the future. We could take another cornerback. Um, but for me, the main guy, it's T. Higgins. If we get him, regardless of our second pick, I'll be ecstatic. I totally understand that. T. Higgins would slide in very nicely ahead of Zach Pascal. You would compliment T.Y. Hilton very nicely. Uh, Paris Campbell, obviously, totally different skill set from those two guys. So that's a great pick. Yeah, a lot of teams are going to be interested in T. Higgins. Um, you know, just last season after the college football playoffs, he was a projected first-round pick. This year didn't play as fantastic as people expected, but you watch his film. Um, the film doesn't lie. He passes the eye test. Fantastic. If he can stay on the field. Um, and he fits what the Colts are currently doing. He uh, fits their current roster where he's not fighting someone for a position. Um, T.Y. Hilton's a great number one. Paris Campbell is a great slot receiver. Um, but the one thing we're lacking is that big body receiver on the outside that can just go up and get the ball. T. Higgins would definitely fill that need for us. And I think he could provide some fantasy value, but more on the practical value of trying to help the Colts win the Super Bowl. All right. Well, there you have it. Our quick recap of the first day of the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, looking forward to tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, starting day two of the NFL draft. Lots of exciting players still there. A few guys that rose well above what we expected. Um, tonight, it, there will be no shortage of trades. I'm sure lots of movement going on. You aren't going to want to miss it. And be sure to DM us with any questions on Instagram at Cover 3 Fantasy Podcast. Uh, go there for daily content that we're posting for fantasy football and NFL in general. Uh, also on Twitter, follow Brian Dunnels. That's two N's, two L's, D-U-N-N-E-L-L-S. Uh, posting daily content as well. Uh, be sure to send us any questions, anything you'd like us to cover on the show. Uh, we'd be more than happy. Any feedback, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.